From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents Danny Flecker with us uh, on a Saturday, New Year's Eve, uh, on the eve of the two college football playoff semifinals, and in a very interesting week 17 in the NFL. Hello, Danny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fine. Happy early New Year. Yes, only a couple hours away. Yes, only, only only a couple until we turn the book. Will Zach Wilson be better in 2023? <laughs> I don't think he's playing in 2023. Now, that's going to be interesting because the Jets are clearly going to move on. They're going to move on to a Jimmy G type, you know, a Matt Ryan type. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Matt Ryan's contract, but that type of quarterback I could see. Where does Zach Wilson end up? You would think he would end up on on a roster of somebody who gets, you know, five injuries in training camp. Yeah, I, I mean, just going back to what you said about the type of quarterback that the Jets are going to get, you have to understand, too, I think, like, what type of an investment are they comfortable making in a quarterback? You don't have a top pick for the first time in a long time. I think they probably try to go after a lower-level starter, like uh, Baker Mayfield, Teddy Bridgewater type situation, and re-sign Mike White if he stays healthy the rest of this year. I don't know if they're going to be investing in, in Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield is another name I've heard thrown out there. It's just a lot. I, it's, I think there's still a lot of dominoes left to be left to fall. And I think one name that they could invest in that may not be the Jets fans' most favorite individual might be Derek Carr, to be honest. That Um, is, uh, yeah, I would not be, I would not be, uh, he's not number one on my list, but I could see it. Yeah, Uh, but going back to Zach Wilson, I don't see him on a roster, period. I, I just don't see it. I he was overdrafted to begin with. I, I didn't understand what the hype was around him at all when he came out. I was never high on him. Um, I mean, but you look at that 2020 class, you know, between him, Trey Lance, Mac Jones is sort of falling off a cliff a little bit. You know, the, the two, I think, can't miss prospects were Lawrence and uh, Fields, and Fields, for some reason, fell. Uh, even further down the draft board than I thought he was going to. I just don't, I don't see him on a roster. He doesn't have the same cachet as like Baker Mayfield does, like a very similar type of individual who, you know, didn't succeed in his first stop. But, you know, Baker won games, got a team to a playoff, was functional for the most part for his time in Cleveland until the wheels fell off. Carolina was a very bad situation. I don't think they wanted him there. I don't think he wanted to be there. Uh, it just didn't work out, and you're seeing a little bit of a resurrection with him with like a coach who understands you know, what his strengths are. But I just don't, you know, if I'm a GM, I have no reason to bring in a guy like Zach Wilson. He's not very likable. Um, he doesn't get it. You know, I, I just don't see him on a roster at all uh, starting next starting training camp at least. Maybe he gets brought in after training camp, but I would not be surprised if, if, he's just, if he doesn't play football again after this year. Interesting. We shall see how that plays out. Where does Daniel Jones end up after this season? I think he's staying with the Giants. Uh, I think that was, I think that was written once the Giants started winning games, and we saw that they were not going to be in the top five, top you know, ten uh, 
I don't see why you can't re-sign him to a friendly contract for two or three years for you know fifteen to twenty million, not strapping your cap, and just continuing to build. It's it's clear that he's taken to the coaching that he's gotten this year. He's done every you know. Let's I guess rewind. Like where do you think the Giants are without him this year? I, I think they're probably four and. 13 or, or 3 and, and 14. Like, I, I just don't see how people can now come back and say that he's not the type of guy that you would want to be a starter uh, for your team. And, and I get the evaluations of, of, way, of the way people put him, but I, I look at a game like last week. He had nobody, and he threw for 337 yards, rushed for, you know, the 25 to 40 yards that he gives you every single game, kept his team in it, had a big two-point conversion play. You know, at this point, if you're a Giants fan, and I am one, it's not about questioning whether or not he's the guy. It's about what can we do to make the team around him better. And I think they have a game plan. they got to get some more wide receivers, maybe shore up that offensive line just a little bit more, get some more depth, and, you know, fill out the back end of their secondary for, for more depth there, too. I think they're on the right path, and I think re-signing Jones isn't the worst investment they could make because, again, like you're you're talking about going into the market and paying someone like Jimmy G or Derek Carr or you know Baker Mayfield, and honestly, the skill set Jones provides, I think, is more valuable than than all three of those guys. For sure, I mean, he's been he's become a two-dimensional quarterback in a way that I think a lot of people thought he could be and you get all those guys ha- uh, you know back healthy and it makes a world of difference um, yeah I mean you look you look at the top quarterbacks in the league or the top teams in the league what do they all have mobile young quarterbacks and good skill players you just give them a couple of pieces you shore up that entire roster this can be a competitive team I like the way they've coached I like the way that they've been playing um, they clearly have the buy-in of the of the team as a whole. That they are taking the right steps, and I think a right step would be to re-sign Jones for a couple more years. And if something falls in your lap, or you want to be super aggressive, you can do that. Um, but I, I don't see how they could be aggressive this year. I don't see a guy like Bryce Young falling to them. I don't see a guy like Bryce Young also being traded for, like, you know, a, a team like Houston possibly trading out for Bryce Young. You know, he's going to be a valuable player moving forward. Um, I'm not a big fan of C.J. Stroud. I'm not a big fan of of Will Levis. I think the best college quarterback is not coming out this year either. So I, I think you got to, you know, invest in the team and build around Jones and, and see where you are in two or three years. But I think he could be more valuable than people think he is to that team moving forward. David Fleckle with us here on teeing it up on this New Year's Eve in a game that's about to kick in 25 or so minutes. The Verbo Fiesta Bowl part of the college football playoff. Um, uh, college football playoffs. It's a semifinal between Michigan and TCU. Uh my overall thought is that Michigan, even with the layoff, just takes everything that they had going with the Ohio State game and just keeps this thing moving down the track. Where's your head at with this game? 
I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of, of analysis about these games. Um, well, I'll shoot my own opinion. You know, the one thing about TCU that I worry about is I don't think that they're physical enough to match up with Michigan. You look at a team like Kansas State who, who played TCU really, really tough uh, twice this year and eventually beat them in one of the games in the Big 12 championship. I, I see Michigan as Kansas State on steroids. Uh, you know, the best offensive line in college football, dynamic in the rushing game, dynamic in play action, physical defense. It's not going to give you an inch. Um, you know, and, and TCU relies a lot on explosive plays, and Michigan's not going to let them do that. So can TCU sustain drives for 60 minutes at the same time, keep Michigan at bay? I don't think that's going to happen. I expect it to be a fast pace to start off. You're going to want to see, you know, if I'm TCU, I'm going to want to try to get out to a lead or at least, you know, go up 10-7, 7 nothing. Just kind of put Michigan in a spot where they're a little uncomfortable. Uh, but over the course of the game, I think we're eventually going to see TCU in situations where they're forcing the ball. They're not going to be getting explosive plays, so they're going to have to think and dunk. And, you know, how, how fast does TCU abandon the run game if they do fall out uh, or fall behind? You know, those are the things I'm looking for in this game. But, you know, Michigan overall, I just think it's, like, too physical uh, for what TCU um, has. You know, it's a bad matchup. I think if TCU was playing, like, a, an Ohio State, I, I think that might be a better matchup for them overall. But um, with Michigan, with the way that they play, the style they play, it's really hard for – a lot of college teams kind of play that way. It's also, the last time we saw Max Duggan, he was basically getting body parts torn off of him, fighting so hard for his team to make it in. And at some point, when you start playing the best of the best of the best, and, and think about Georgia, for example, that Georgia defense, if, if this was TCU versus Georgia, would, I think, wear down Max Duggan in a way that some others wouldn't. And I just think that Michigan will be too much for him today, although he is going to be just a sensational quarterback for somebody in the future just because of how hard he plays. He plays until the whistle stops every single play. Yeah, I, I don't know how he profiles to the next level. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I don't th- Yeah, I don't know if he's like a... a- a starting quarterback at the NFL level. He's been a great college quarterback for TCU. You know, if you're TCU, you need to be able to stick with your run game and also get, you know, chunk plays. I just don't think they're going to get them consistently enough. And they have a good running back. Their running back's really good. Um, But how long are they going to stick with it? And I think that's where you see Michigan start to wear them down, get after Duggan. You know, can TCU stop them on third downs and eliminate their run game? That way they don't have to play action. I just don't see them being able to do that for long stretches of time. They might be able to do it for a drive or two. Might, might frustrate Michigan here and there, but I just think overall, like, Michigan is too well coached. And on top of that, they're hungry. They, they, they were here last year. They got demolished last year. I think there's a sense in that locker room that they, can, they want Georgia again. Um, and I think they're going to do everything they can to, to get there. But I just think they're when you have these, these types of run-and-shoot offenses like TCU, when they go up against a team that punches them in the mouth over and over again, it's 
hard to see them respond to that just because they're not used to that type of play. And the Big 12 doesn't really offer a profile team like Michigan. And the closest team would be Kansas State. And we saw how Kansas State was able to manipulate the game a little bit and, and, and you know throw Max Duggan around like you mentioned. When you look at Georgia, Ohio State, I have Ohio State winning this game just because I don't think it's in Ohio State's um, DNA to be embarrassed two straight games the way that they were. You said to me, I don't know if Ohio State can last for 60 minutes under what Georgia's going to present. So let me look at the question this way. If this is at a neutral site, if this game was being played in Seattle, Washington, who wins this game? I still think it's the same situation. You know, mm-hmm. I think Ohio State is going to surprise a lot of people with the way that this game is going to be played. I think ultimately where where where's down for them is up front uh, on their offensive line. They have really good tackles. Their interior offensive line is not that great. Yeah, and they're going up against a guy like Jordan Davis. Not Jordan. Is it Jordan Davis? Um, I get him in the one that's on the Eagles confused. Um, but whoever their big defensive tackle is, that's an absolute animal. Um, going against him for the entire game is going to be a lot. You know, C.J. Stroud isn't necessarily somebody who is going to be manipulating the pocket, moving around, using his legs. If things get off schedule, you know, how does he look? You know, Michigan, and I mean, Michigan, Ohio State has the skill players, I think, to trouble Georgia, uh, especially on the outside uh, with with their receivers. But at the end of the day, if C.J. Stroud is, is sensing the pressure, not able to get throws off on time, not, you know, not taking his reads the way he needs to take them, I think it's going to be a tough, a tough game for them. Uh, but I do think they're going to, stay in this game for much longer than people expect. A lot of people are expecting Georgia to roll them, but uh, from a betting perspective, this line opened, I believe, at seven, and it's been bet down all the way to five. So there's a lot of people out there that do, do think that you know Ohio State's going to be able to keep this in a one-score game type of situation. Um, I, I see that happening, but I think around the fourth quarter is where that starts to wear down a little bit, and, and you potentially see some turnovers, or Georgia just go on one of those drives where they just you know eat up the clock, and Brock Bowers is just you know catching passes over the middle of the field and getting first down after first down. Yeah, fourteen plays, nine minutes, something like that. I think you were thinking of Ryan Davis. Yeah, whoever their defensive tackle is, that is yeah. like six six and. 390 pounds and like throws people around like they're rag dolls. You know, that's what they're going to have to deal with for the entire game. And, and I don't know. Ryan Davis from Georgia is listed as he's, he's not, he's, he's number zero. He's listed as at 62230. Uh, I think we're thinking of the, of a different guy that, um, we may be thinking of a different person. Um, let me take a look real quick, but you can ask me another question. I'm going to take a look at this real quick. Okay. I, there's a defensive tackle on this team on Georgia that is just an absolute um, monster. Let me. It's Jalen Carter. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I I knew it was going to probably be that one if it wasn't. Is that dude? Yeah, I mean you get the the thing about those guys. It's like who wins. 
we had this, this this whole discussion weeks ago. Who wins the Heisman? It's the it should be the Georgia defense practically, in some people's eyes. It's like not one person. Um. Yeah, and this but, is a different defense than it was last year. Um, it's still very very good. It's still going to do things that you know make you think like, my God, you know, how do they get all these players onto this field? They don't like to blitz, though. They don't like to, you know, bring exotic pressures or anything like that. They want to win with four. They have the, the depth and the players to do that. Ohio State has to hold up, and they got to stick with their running game. I, I know it seems cliche, but D.J. Stroud, like I mentioned, he's not going to be rolling out. He's not, you know, running read options with him. You know, he's not, you know if Ohio State had Justin Fields in this game, you know, a couple of years ago, the Justin Fields that mm. brought to the national championship game, I think Ohio State could win this game um, with, with the roster the way that it is. But T.J. Stroud is a very different quarterback. And, and we saw what Georgia did to Tennessee when they played a similar type of offense with weapons in the quick passing game. They took them out, um, and they frustrated them. So if you can't connect, you can't keep keep drives going, eventually they're going to wear, wear you out. And I think that's what's going to happen eventually in the second half is – if, if uh, Ohio State's chasing the game, uh, they're going to just run into some issues, you know, because I just don't know if they can hold up for that long. You know, we were, uh, there, there was a reason, I think, why we were drawn to those two players, and that's because they're from the exact same town. They're from uh, uh, Papaca, Florida. So maybe it's in the, the water down there in Florida. I hope I pronounced <laughs> that town correctly, but it's the same town. Um, Danny Flecker with us here on on uh, on uh, teeing it up. When you look towards Monday Night Football, cause I, I I think everybody then looks at these two games, looks at their own games in the NFL over the weekend, and then looks at Bills Bengals, the biggest Monday Night Football showdown in years. Um, a game that, by the way, will air in its entirety, start to finish, no matter what happens at the Rose Bowl, on, on ABC being at 8.30 Eastern Time. So no matter what happens to the Rose Bowl, no matter how many overtimes it goes to, ABC will have it and in its entirety with Joe Buck and Lisa Salters. Um, and uh, Troy, obviously. When you look at Joe Burrow and how this Bengal team has come on, and I've seen too much of this Bills team recently, and we all know what they can do. I, I see an ascending Cincinnati team. I see a high-level plateau kind of thing. Uh, Bills team that has ended up in some really wacky games recently. The Minnesota game, the, the Miami game. They've had snow trouble. They've had rain trouble. They've had wind issues. It's been kind of some weird games. You, you get them in a calm kind of kind of situation on Monday night. I think it's a really interesting evaluation of where Buffalo is considering that the Super Bowl is going to be indoors and weather won't be any kind of a factor. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the weather is going to be an issue on Monday. Yep. But no. I think the thing with this game is that you look at, you see Cincinnati, how hot they've been. They threw off their foot off the gas last week in New England uh, after they went up 22 to nothing. They've had some injuries on the back end of their defense and, and as well as on the defensive line with Sam Hubbard and, and Trey Hendrickson out. Now, one of the things their defense has been able to do is 
they've been really good at adjusting in the second half. And they have one of the best second half defenses in the league, if not the best. I think they were giving up like, I think they had given up like two touchdowns the entire year up until uh, um, until last week, where you know the Pats were able to get some um, some, some uh, touchdowns there and almost won the game, uh, if not for a fumble there. But I think you know if you look at this game, is which team was able to contain which quarterback the best? Uh, you know, Josh Allen is going to do Josh Allen things, and with those Josh Allen things, at times we see some negative things, you know, interceptions, bad throws, maybe forcing it to dig, whomever it may be. Um, I think one of the areas that we don't give the Bills enough credit for is that they have a really good running game, and yeah. at times they tend to go away from that. Uh, and I just think right now the Bills are just a bit more explosive than Cincinnati is just given the way that their roster is constructed. But Cincinnati has Joe Burrow, and Joe, Bar- Joe Burrow is not going to let this team be out of this game. Um, they have fight, they're resilient, uh, they are a tough out, and they have good wide receivers, and, and Buffalo is going to be tested there. This really comes down to me, you know, you down to the running games, which running back, you know, which running game is going to be able to control the game a bit. You know, you want to be able to extend drives, keep the other one off the field. And I think, you know, whichever team can stay with their run game will be able to, you know, dictate the way this game is going to be played. Um, I don't see the defenses controlling the game because I do think that each quarterback is going to be able to get, you know, some plays and make things happen. Um, and you're going up again. You have some of the best skilled players in the league on both teams. You know, going out there. So, you know, which running back or which running game is the better running game on Monday night? I think is where this game gets swung a little bit. And I think also, you know, it's weird. Monday night, you get so hyped. Um, but Monday nights have not been hype. You know, sorry. Tr- Traditionally, Monday nights were, you know, the thing. Now it's Sunday nights and and, and and Sunday afternoons. You wait this long, and how does everybody involved react? Um, it's a long time to wait, and does somebody meet one of these two QBs make an antsy, you know, jittery kind of interception? It could be what happens in one of these two uh, college football playoffs semifinal games. Does somebody make a dumb decision? purely based on just antsiness, um, especially in that Georgia-Ohio State game having to wait so long into New Year's Eve. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll see how this plays out as time goes on. Um, but that game really intrigues me. Uh, quickly, because I don't want to hold you too long on a holiday, is there any other games on the slate uh, NFL-wise that, that uh, speak out to you? Yeah, you know, this game, you know, we just talked about, definitely is the biggest game of the weekend. Giants-Colts, can the Giants, you know, punch their ticket into the playoffs? I think that's a really intriguing game. Obviously, I have uh, rooting interest there. Yes. Saints-Eagles, can the Eagles, you know, clinch the number one seed? You know, that, you know, I don't think Hurts is playing this week. He's so, not. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. there. Jets-Seahawks. There's another one, you know, which team is eliminated, which team stays. You know, obviously if the Jets win this game, 
play Miami next week, right? Yep, and that'll be without Tua most likely. Yep, and uh, the Vikings-Packers, you know, I've I've gotten to that point where I'm just so sick of this Vikings team. (laughs) I feel like they have a horseshoe so far up their butt (laughs) that it's, it's coming out of their mouth at this point. Like, it's just ridiculous the way that this team that is so flawed in so many ways is 12 and 3 with a point differential of 6 and has played in 12 score one 12 one score games is like 12 and 0 and won them all it's just ridiculous right it, it's just you know the giants last week definitely had that game they fumbled in the red zone they had two interceptions called back um, they lost in a 61-yard field goal, uh, which is the fourth time that's happened since 2018 for them. When you told me that stat, I was like, what? Yeah. And no I way I screwed it. was. Very vividly. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, it's not like it was a barely good kick. The kick would have been good from 70. Yeah, that um, thing had light on it. He yeah. killed it. And, and, you know, the coaching staff this week said that they were comfortable with him kicking that. And I would be too. 60 yards, have at it. If you make it, you make it. If you miss it, you miss it. But... Um, I think eventually Minnesota, these warts are going to eventually show. Um, Green Bay is a motivated team this week. They want to win. They got killed by them in week one. I really like Green Bay this week. You know, it, it says something that a team that's 12 and 3 is a three and a half point, three point underdog against a team they beat handily the first time they played them and is under 500. Um, I just think. The elements are going to affect Minnesota. I was like looking at their schedule. Um, they've only played four outdoor games this year. Hmm. Their last six have been in a dome. And outside, they've only scored 21 points per game. I think that that's where you know Minnesota does not want to be. Hmm. This game means a lot to them because they want to get that two seed yeah. where they get like at least two home games. But I think Green Bay, I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay are just in a spot right now where they are just, they're finding themselves uh, a little bit, and I, I think they lose that game. Uh, I want them to lose that game. <laughs> so, um, I think those are the, you know, any game with playoff implications this week are the intriguing games, and I think those are the ones that are going to stick out this week. You're, you're telling me that uh, Bears-Lions isn't uh, your number one game of the week? <laughs> it's, an it's an important game, though, still too, right? Because Detroit is still in the hunt. They're still there. That's they true. Is there a game of um, you know, could, could, you know, They have to play Green Bay next week, but if they win, I still think that they're they're in it. They have an opportunity. It's so, this league. It's so funky. It's so funky. It is so funky. But it's a great point, and um, I'll I'll say this about um, about uh, Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers looks happier. He looks yeah. like he wants to play football. His, I go a lot on body language. His body language the last couple weeks have gotten way better. So. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where it's starting to gel a little bit for that team offensively. And, yeah. you know, we'll see if they can keep it going. I, I, I think they're, they're definitely playing a different style than they're used to playing. But I do think that when you have... A coach that's been there, a quarterback that's been there, uh, a home field advantage. I do think that they have the opportunity this week to go out there and beat Minnesota. And if they don't, they're out. So they have even more motivation to go out there and win this game. 
What a wacky NFL season. And you're going to have a division, maybe two divisions, where a team with a under 500 record makes it into the National Football League playoffs. Let's see how these college football playoffs uh, semifinals play themselves out. Danny Flecka, thank you so much for coming on Teeing It Up, as always. And he thinks it'll be Georgia um, and Michigan. I think it'll be Michigan and Ohio State. We shall see how the two play out. Thank you, as always, Danny, for coming on. No problem, man. I'll talk to you later. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up.